get a phone call from a friend who's a listener to this podcast, and she said, one thing I like about your Before We Go podcast is the way the two of you always summarize what you're saying into a single sentence. How did you come up with that technique? (laughs) It's a funny story, and I'm kind of the brunt of the joke in the story, but we can tell it again. (laughs) Welcome to the Before We Go podcast featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author, Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. In my mind, Karen, I'm thinking that this has to be over 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And as I reflect on it in my mind, it's like it happened a couple days ago because it was a huge thing. We were in a new church we were planting in the heart of Chicago. I wanted to get a more of an interactive feel with the congregation. We had a rented facility, so we had our service at 9 o'clock, and then at 10.30 we had regular what would be like classes or discussion groups. And one of those was always the option for people to go into the pastor's class and talk about what he said in the sermon. I had worked on a deal, and because I didn't always preach, sometimes somebody else on the staff would preach. I said, we want to do this consistently. So if five, six people come to that class, that's fine. But if there are more people, then we need to divide it in two. And sometimes you'd preach a real winger, and (laughs) there would be 25 people who wanted to talk about it. I say, oh, you start by going around the circle, get the people to say their name, and then you say, as you heard the sermon this morning, if you would put what you think the pastor was saying into a sentence, what would the sentence be? Mm -hmm. And people very graciously... Struggled with that concept. Yeah, right? yeah. They, well, that's a good. That was a good uh, technique. Well, it started the discussion. One day, I preached on a passage in Romans, which was a terrible passage as far as me and how I handled it. Harder passage than others is yes. what you mean. <laughs> and I said, "Why don't we start and go around the circle and have you put into a sentence what you think I was trying to say?" Mm-hmm. And it was probably the third person up. It was a visitor that. <laughs> And he said, Reverend means why don't you try to put into a sentence what it is you are attempting to say today? How did you do? I was absolutely humiliated. <laughs> I could not do it. I said after that, and I've been true to my word, I said, that'll never happen to me again. <laughs> because I'm going to figure out what that sentence is before I give somebody the opportunity to respond and That's what kind of started it all. So that incident, that embarrassing incident, was the embryo for what became the Mainstay Ministries communication system. Yeah. I mean, that sounds a little grand, but there is nothing that we do that's in a communication format that we don't try to reduce to a sentence. And so let's talk about what that sentence is supposed to include and try to explain it to our listeners. Because, David, a lot of times people of all kinds of backgrounds and abilities are asked to maybe not give a sermon, but to speak in this group or to talk in that one or to tell about their work and mm-hmm. into a group of maybe donors or whatever. And this methodology that you have developed and trialed through all your years of communication, it's been preaching in, in churches, in your own church for a while, and then in other people's churches, and then training pastors, did a lot of training of pastors. We a lot of listening ourselves. And a lot of listening ourselves. And, and evaluation. We don't listen critically as far as a negative thing, but we listen as communicators and then to say if this pastor were listening to, are they really going to be communicating what they're trying to say from this passage of Scripture, and will their people remember what they said? I did it with our kids. We would leave the church and drive home and Mm -hmm. say, okay, let's see if we can remember what was said in the sermon today. Mm -hmm. They would work on it. We still do that. We don't do it in a critical sense either. Uh, We we do it in a helpful sense. Let's see what we can remember from the sermon. And most of the time, I would say that we can tell what we think the thrust of the sermon was. Mm -hmm. But then there are a number of times when we say, I'm not sure what it was he was talking about. Mm -hmm. 
I found that I began to teach this to people, and I would guess probably did somewhere in the neighborhood of several hundred pastors' conferences. Sometimes it would be like 10 people, sometimes it would be up to 200 people. (laughs) I would say to them, I'll give you the technique, but I'm going to do it by picking a text. I don't think we'll cover everything this visit, so I'm thinking of two more visits after this on this same topic. On the podcast, we'll have three visits on this topic. This time I'm going to take a very simple text, and then the next time I'll make it a little harder and then very hard, but to show that each time we follow the same pattern every time. This is a passage, Karen, in Luke. You'll recognize it immediately. It's chapter 13, verses 12 through 14. This is one I would, in the pastor's conferences, say, I'm going to read a passage, and then what I want you to do is to tell me what is the subject. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay, I read that passage, and I said, what would you say is the subject of this passage? This is to the group of pastors you were talking yeah, to and at the I, time. I remember one specific time. One man's hand just shot up, and he had a big smile on his face, and I thought, he's got it, he's got it. I said, what would you say is the subject of this? And he said, grace. <laughs> It's a broad topic, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds, sounds like a minister. Grace, maybe every passage every I read would have been about grace. And I'm sure his people heard about grace a lot. But I wanted to be more specific. So I'm going to ask you, and I know what you're going to say, because you this know This is that one passage. of my favorite passages yeah. uh, from Scripture. So if you would ask me that same question, I would say it's about hospitality. Because that is just a theme that runs through the Old and New Testament. We often don't pick up those mm-hmm. scriptures that really do pertain to that topic. Well, Jesus is saying if you invite a guest. Yes. So that's, I don't care if you call it entertaining or hospitality, yeah. mm-hmm. having people over. And he's giving a different way of doing it mm-hmm. than normal. But the basic subject matter, if somebody wants to get an A-plus from me <laughs> as the teacher, is to say hospitality. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'd say that's great. And the second question that I always ask in terms of putting a message together before any of the specifics of it are lined up is not only what is the subject, but what is the response? Uh How would you say the response is listed here? In this passage, well, Jesus is obviously saying don't practice hospitality to get something. And often that's why we do invite people into our lives. Well, or you just enjoy those people. You enjoy those people. So you get the satisfaction of spending more time with them. Nothing wrong with that, but Christ is gearing in another kind of way to practice hospitality. And that's to look for those people who are overlooked. Forgotten or people, forgotten yeah. people mm-hmm. or neglected people who are what we say down on their luck or mm-hmm. maybe odd. But anyway, the general category is the people who are not generally invited to these mm-hmm. official affairs, these outreaches of hospitality. And he has this sense of, and they can't repay you. They can't repay you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful, wonderful teaching. Mm-hmm. So then the question is, once that's understood and people have gotten that much, is the average person going to be able to know how to do this? Mm-hmm. I remember, Karen, I went to a Lutheran church not far from our home because there was a Hispanic gentleman that I had come to know, and he had accepted Christ into his life, but he wasn't involved in church. But Spring. we went to this Lutheran church because they had a Spanish Yeah, service. they have a great outreach to the immigrant community here. This was the passage the minister preached on. Oh, now, goodness. I don't speak Spanish. 
Yeah. You know, I had a couple years of Spanish in high school. That's a long, long time ago. But I could tell this is the passage he was speaking on. Uh-huh. It was very obvious. And on the way back from the service, I said to my friend, did you understand what he was talking about? And my friend said, yes. We talked in English and kind of his broken English. And I said, do you think anybody in the church is going to do that? He said, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a huge jump for him to hear that sermon because uh-huh. he didn't have a home. He uh-huh. didn't have anything. Maybe the pastor should have said, maybe you're sharing a lunch or a cup of coffee at Uh McDonald's or something. But it never got to the level where his response was anything other than, no, I I don't think anybody's going to do it. It was beyond him. I think this methodology, this communication methodology that you have developed over time, over years, you've done every single broadcast for 20 years using this, reducing it to a purpose sentence. And every podcast we do. And every podcast we do, we always have a sentence. And people, as they've listened to us now will begin to detect that if they haven't already detected it. We usually say what we're saying in a sentence is. <laughs> you know, Karen, I've had people come up to me sometimes years. I mean, you're talking 10, 12, 15 years, and they yeah. say, do you remember that sermon you preached And on? then they'll give you the purpose. Yeah, they said amazing? I wrote it in my Bible. Yeah, I remember. I've had people do that as well. Mm. And that's rare. I mean, you can have someone say, we heard you speak such and such a place, and you spoke on well, the Holy Spirit or what the general mm. topic is, but they never get down into the specifics of what you were saying, often because the communicator hasn't gotten down into those specifics as well. So let's break this apart for our listeners and they can hear what we're talking about. We're assuming that somebody listening to us Uh will be asked, maybe will be surprised, Uh to give a talk that has some kind of a spiritual aspect to it, I assume, and they won't know how to go about it. So we're saying these are the questions you want to ask. As you're preparing. Clearly in your mind, Mm -hmm. and then you start to put the piece together and it's very easy because you know exactly where you're going. When asked to give a spiritual talk of some kind, begin your preparation by asking yourself three questions. Uh Number one, what's my subject? Number two, what's the response being called for? Uh Number three, what how-to suggestions might be helpful? Uh Okay, And is this something we do regularly? Yes, we do this all the time. It's Mm -hmm. over and over. It's become so habitual, you know, we don't even recognize that we're doing it. But we find that it has helped not only the listener have clarification on what we're doing, but it helps us have clarification as we're making preparations. After having spoken somewhere, it would be a huge answer to prayer if someday I would say, if you'd like to talk about the message, you can. And then somebody will come and say, do you remember a long time ago (laughs) back in Chicago? And I said, why don't you try to put it into a sentence? Well, I'm here again, and you did it. That's great. Okay, first of all, what we do is we say, what's the subject? And we did Mm -hmm. that a little bit when you read that passage. Yeah, that subject is hospitality. Obviously, it's hospitality. It's extending invitation and and Mm -hmm. in a particular kind of way to the needy or to the outcast or to the forgotten. Yeah, that's this response. Jesus Uh is saying, don't overlook the forgotten people. That's a very powerful message Uh that he gave. Back then, it was unusual for people to invite the lame, the crippled, the blind, the people he mentioned there. And it's unusual for most people now. Then the question is, how do you do that? And Uh I think the average person is going to say, oh man, all those homeless people living downtown in the big city, what am I going to do as far as asking them? Is that what has to be done or do we have to get better suggestions than to leaping to that extreme? You begin this process with prayer, in a listening kind of prayer. We're all busy. We all overlook those who are lonely, or and I would include the lonely among that, that yes. list that Jesus gave. So I think our hearts need to be sensitized by the Holy Spirit 
So I often say, Lord, who is there you would like us to invite into our home? Now, often the loneliest people that we run into are the ones who appear most successful. Their success prohibits other people from connecting with them Mm -hmm. or reaching out because they think they have everything. So what we do need is a sensitizing of the Holy Spirit. I just say, Lord, who are the people I need to be inviting into our lives? Of course, during this COVID isolation, there's not much hospitality that has gone on. We can talk about using hospitality in a whole variety of ways, but this is specifically inviting people into our home for a meal or for a special breakfast or dessert, dessert something mm-hmm. like that. And then I just wait until I feel an urgency or a push, but her push is a better word, or someone comes to mind. Our son has been living with us since March. So I have a couple I want to invite to our house who I know that he would love to get to know. And they're just wonderful, wonderful people. But I think their success in life often keeps them from being put on other people's list as far as people they want to invite. Sometimes the most successful kinds of people are the ones who are the least included in our kinds of come and have a meal with us affairs. So you're opening yourself to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I remember, this was some time back, and you'll probably remember the person. Let's call her Ruth, okay? Okay. And the Lord put Ruth on my heart. Uh She was a part of the church. She's a single woman. I thought, Lord, anybody but Ruth, because Ruth is hard to talk to. She was one of those people who, you know, you categorize as being a little odd, not always socially adept. And uh, it took a lot of work to connect with her. Mm-hmm. But we did invite her over for our yep. meal. Then I realized when you invite some of the forgotten people, mm-hmm. you have to be careful because they have all kinds of needs. And I'm not saying be careful that you don't invite them. Just be aware that it may be an invitation that grows into a whole new relationship. She eventually invited us over. Yeah, and it was a big deal for her to have yeah. us. We were pastor and pastor's wife in the church at that time. As I remember, a single-room apartment with a little kitchenette, and she prepared a meal. I don't remember what she prepared, but she took great pride in being able to extend that invitation to us and to have us come into her home and to develop more than a hi-how-are-you friendship, but where we really knew one another more than what we had known before. And us going to her home, I think, was more of a gift than her having been invited into our home. Don't you feel that way? I mean, it was kind of a huge thing for her that we would come and want to get to know her better. So those are the sorts of people I think that we need to be open to. But that's going back to your point of saying, start to pray about it. Yeah, pray about it. Who would be the person you would like me to invite? And Mm -hmm. if you kind of get a gulp. Yeah. And you have to say, well, Let's give it a go. following Jesus <laughs> results in a lot of gulps in terms of people's lives. What I want to do, Karen, in terms of where we're going in this series, this was an obvious passage. Uh-huh. Next week when we talk, I'd like to talk about a little more difficult uh-huh. passage and how to unpack that one. And then a really, really harder one because it's a whole book. What, what if you only have one time to talk and you're supposed to give an overview, say, for Philippians, uh-huh. you know, something like that? That's not going to happen for most people. For uh-huh. some ministers, it might. I'm just trying to say on the simplest level is where we are starting here. And Karen, I also, in terms of all that, sometimes when you say, here's the subject, here's the response I'm calling for, this would be a good illustration that just fits there. Be open to the Holy Spirit saying, even do it a different way. Maybe you're not the one to give the illustration, but the person you first heard it from is a good one to do it with. 
communication gurus are telling us that the single lecture format is diminishing. That was the format where you had one person who spoke, and sometimes for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, I mean, when it was in its heyday, that has sort of ruled the day in communication. But it is changing. We have higher participatory learning models mm-hmm. in uh, schools of higher education. You're, you have a cousin who's the chancellor of a large state university. And she moved into participatory learning model a long time ago. So I would say that the lecture format is one of the hardest formats to do well with. And if you've been asked to speak somewhere or share somewhere and you're gulping about it, well, we're giving you a tool to help you prepare, a tool that also helps your listeners understand where you're coming from. But you can begin to participate in the new models that are coming our way. And so one of the things I would suggest that people do is say, is there a way I can dialogue about this with another person? who has expertise in this. And and let me give one example out of my life. I had been speaking on hospitality, which I did for years because my first book was Open Heart, Open Home. It was on hospitality. And I just sort of happenstance in the group I was speaking to, it was a group of women, maybe 100, 150 women, said, I'm wanting you to think about a time when hospitality was extended to you and it changed your life. So take a little time to think about it. I'll begin, but then I'll break up my lecture and invite some of you who have thought of something, a way that hospitality changed your life, to share that. So that's what happened. I had one woman stand, and there were several who have volunteered, but I asked this one woman to go ahead and share. She was a pediatrician, but early in her practice, a young couple had brought an infant to her who was very, very sick, and there was some thought that this baby would not survive. She used her medical skills, and that little infant was saved really because of her. She fought for his life within the medical system, and he went home with a life ahead of him, which was wonderful for those parents. So they invited her to come for dinner. And this I was wondering where you're going. There's where the hospitality comes in. This is okay. life-changing hospitality. They invited her to come for dinner. And I said to her, this was in the group where I'd been speaking, I said, were you a Christian at that time? And she said, no, I wasn't a Christian before I went to their house for dinner, but I was a Christian when I left their house. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> Someone has asked us to speak, and we're trying to go through this methodology that we're sharing. One of the things to do is to sort of break form and invite people who have something to say about our topic into our lecture environment or our single-person sharing environment. And that opens that up in ways that we can't possibly anticipate. But what you did do before, you said, what is my subject? Yes. It's going to be hospitality. What is the response I want? If you were talking on this passage, you would say that people would include in their thinking the forgotten individuals. But anyway, you had the framework all set up. Yes, I did. And so you knew what you were asking. Yeah, I I knew that that interruption, I wouldn't lose my way in my own organization of my thoughts because of this methodology. So it's a powerful methodology. And let's go through it again so that our listeners can catch the process that we use. Well, you're asking in the very early part, Uh maybe you start with a text, maybe you start with an idea. But whatever the idea is, you have to pinpoint it by saying, this is my subject. This is what I'm going to talk about. And that could be any variety. I mean, we've done over 100 podcasts and we've come up with all kinds of different subjects. Second question, what is that? Well, the second question is, what is the response I'm calling for? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then if it's like this passage we had today, that response is going to be very difficult for people. So then you have to give some kind of suggestions, which says, okay, here's where you are. Here's where I'd like to take you. You Uh don't take them all the way down to the final destination Uh five months from now, Uh but you get them started in the process. The interesting thing about the how-to section that I have discovered as I use it, you can mention how-tos, and generally they won't do any 
of the how-tos that you've mentioned. Now, they might, but most of the time, what the how-to does, that third element of this system... It kind of plants a seed? It, is it? Well, it opens their mind up to okay. creative possibilities. And I find what, if they come back to me and dialogue about it, I'll ask, well, how did you do what you said you were going to do? And they'll come back with all kinds of ideas that were not included in my list of how-tos, but the how-tos in my list stimulated the way their own personality would function, which I find to be absolutely delightful because many of the things that they did were not things I would have thought of. So there's just this lovely interchange in the feeling that God is working in the process in some way to take his truth out of scripture, whatever it is we're speaking on, and apply it in a deep way to the listeners that they are talking to. So if you are asked by somebody, would you be willing to speak to our group? Maybe it's a group of five people, maybe it's a group of 50 Don't just say, oh, no, I could never do that. We're saying... Yes, you can. (laughs) Yeah, you can, and here's how you get going on it. You've got to figure out what's the subject I'm talking about. What's the response I want from my listeners? Uh And then what suggestions can I give them that will help them to move along the way in terms of this topic I'm talking about? Yeah, it's great. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address hosts at beforewego.show. That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60187. 